then. And step wide of any ash. Don't contaminate anything. The acrid stench of burned flesh stuck in Dalton's nostrils like burrs on a hunting dog's legs. Streams of rancid smoke curled up from the large crater holding the bodies. Dalton stepped wide as Tug ordered, but he wondered how much more contaminated the place could get. You okay, ma'am? Dalton asked when he reached the two of them. This must be quite a shock. A thin woman, who Dalton made as no older than himself, with long red hair braided with blue and silver ribbons, struggled to answer. This is a holy place, she said. How could this happen? You know these people, ma'am? Dalton asked. Of course she knows them, Tug barked. She brought them up here that came from the lodge, tourists up here. Travelers, the woman interrupted. We call them travelers. They come to experience the sweat lodge. It's part of their spiritual journey. Tug rolled his eyes. Dalton was glad Tug was standing behind the woman so she couldn't see. Anyway, Tug continued, she brings the travelers up here. Dropped him off last night, comes to pick him up this morning, and this is what she sees. This site is sacred, the woman said. What caused this? There was no storm last night, no lightning. A storm doesn't cause slashes, Dalton thought. Thunder doesn't gouge. Old Tug rested his hand on his holster, threw his shoulders back, and spit to the side. That's what we intend to find out, little lady. Don't you worry. Dalton Rogers took another look toward the smoldering pile of flesh and bones. A sudden gust of chilled air blew against the back of his sweaty neck. He looked up and counted seven hawks circling in the cloudless sky far above the carnage. Another memory of his grandfather floated into his awareness. The two of them were walking through the forest. Grandpa pointed out a hawk and told him the hunting bird always flew alone. So if you see more than one, Dalton, his grandfather had warned, you know you got trouble. So fill your hearts with Christmas cheer, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Chapter Two Lydia Corriger sat behind the communication console in the secure room of her basement at-home office. She kept her eyes riveted to the 30-inch high-definition screen in front of her, breathed deeply, and braced herself against the white-hot surge of strength radiating from her spine out to her limbs. There you are. She used her finger to trace a circle around the man shown walking across a small-town main street, then tapped the screen to freeze the image. With her thumb and forefinger, she enlarged the encircled area. The man's face filled the screen. Eddie Durkin looked a bit older than his mugshot, but then it had been seven years. Durkin's hair was grayer than it was in the dozens of photographs Lydia studied, photographs taken from his trial, as well as from the front page of the newspaper under headlines screaming of his escape. 
Lydia swept her hand, and the man on Main Street's image shifted to the left half of the screen. She manipulated her computer mouse, and a gallery of other photos filled the right side. She tapped them in succession, and with each tap the selected photo filled the eastern hemisphere of her viewing area, giving her a side-by-side -side comparison of Eddie Durkin to the man on the left. You've put on weight, Eddie. Is that by design? Did you purposefully add pounds to round out the chiseled physique you had when you murdered your friend? That must have been difficult for a vain man like yourself. You always tried to stand out in a crowd. How many cheeseburgers and pizzas did it take for you to morph into soft-bellied anonymity? She brought up another old picture of Eddie. In it, he was walking out of the courthouse and...